Um, how you doing, Mr. Crow? I'm doing good. Things are good. Right on. Uh, I think, did you already hit record, Candy? Yep. I apologize for just jumping into it. Um, but if you don't mind, man, I'm pretty excited. I would like to just jump into it. Um, go ahead. J.D. Crow, you've been tattooing, you've been an icon in this industry. Uh, how long has it been now since you've been tattooing? Uh, just about 50 years. Started in 1976 is when I printed my first business card. Okay. 19- Was that a big deal then? Having a business uh, card kind of? Yeah, yeah, of course it was. I mean, there was no other means of getting the word out. Right. You know, there was no social media. So, yeah, the handing out your business card, you know, meant a lot. I love it that you remember the date the first time you printed yeah. yours. Did yeah. you say it was 76? Is that what, I, Seven, what I'm... 76, correct. But I, I started an informal apprenticeship in 74, Better. I like that better because that's the year I was born. You have been tattooing as long as I have been alive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> which, which, uh, I know that probably doesn't doesn't sound, but it makes me feel younger. So huh. I, I'm happy there. I'm sticking. Yeah, it make, I, makes me feel older. <laughs> well, I hope it makes you feel like a like a fucking legend in the in the industry and somebody's whose longevity it's not common that anybody work anywhere for 50 years in any industry. And uh, you're still quite a, you're, we're about to have, I don't know what annual it is. I should know, but I bet you could tell me the Richmond tattoo convention, which you're a part of. How long has that been going? The first one was uh, 1988. And uh, so this is the 35th year. It's actually in the same hotel that it Mm -hmm. was in 1988. Is there uh, much nostalgia there then going back? uh, You know, conventions were so much different back then. You know, it was, it was, you had to go, you know, that's where you met. That was your whole social media thing. That was Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was all there for you. And, You know, the guys that didn't go, they were just stale. They became a product of their own environment. Uh, But getting out to these conventions was was a real big deal. I've talked with you about this. uh, I think it was in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I think I feel like it was one of Greg Piper's shows. First time run into you. And I was really impressed with where the where the tattoo conventions were. And I was like, did you think you would see it like this? And you actually uh, gave me quite a history lesson on the actual heyday of tattooing and what it was like. I was it in San Diego? It was in California, I believe, where they had to shut down the road for all the yeah, people yeah. traveling there. The yeah, that was, that was 1993, San Diego. It was, uh, I had started Tattoo Tour, which was uh conventions that were I put on for the next 10 years with Dennis Dwyer but in 1993 is that I'm sorry to cut you off but another icon Dennis Dwyer uh from Precision Tattoo the same guy same guy yep he he and his wife were if I'm not mistaken just south of Michigan or in South Michigan is that right no wrong Mm, they're in 
<laughs> okay. Way they off, went, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Not even close. Uh, Tucson, Arizona. And back in 82, I started Ancient Art Tattoo Studio with Danny Fowler. Oh, my God. And through, yeah, another <laughs> yeah. game. Another huge, uh, there's a lot of people listening. I'm going to keep stopping you on this. I apologize. But to me, these names are friggin' huge. I'm sure you understand. There's many people listening, I imagine, that have no idea who Danny Fowler was. But Danny Fowler is the reason I shoved steel wool into my coils. <laughs> <laughs> to fill that, that, uh, that cavity that is inside of it to make a better magnetism. No idea if it worked or not, but every time I took a part of a, a machine, and I was like, hey, there's no steel wall in here. Uh -huh. Yeah, Danny <laughs> was quite a tinkerer, and I was yes. pretty fortunate to work with him. Uh, we actually, like I said, we started Ancient Art, and Ancient Art expanded over the years, and Dennis Dwyer actually opened an Ancient Art in Tucson. Okay. So when I did the convention in 93... The reason I did it, now you got to think back, there were only one and two tattoo conventions back then, Okay. period, in the United States. There was just a couple going on. Was it one on the East Coast, one on the West? Kind uh, of they thing? kind of bounced around. I mean, you had the, the Richmond show, which stayed in the same place in 98 and 9. And I did the 89 one. But then I moved to New, did New Orleans and just I bounced around and realized I wasn't coming back to uh, to Richmond. That's when I passed the torch to Billy Eason. But in 93 at the time, there were no conventions planned on the continental United States. Zero. National, who was a big uh supplier player. and the player in the convention business they did one every year since okay. back i think in 78 there had they dropped off that year no there were none were planned then what happened the uh national in 93 did a convention on a boat they sailed around the caribbean <laughs> so it left that's uh that's highfalutin. I've tattooed on boats, but it's not easy. No, it, and it just wasn't possible for the world to show up, which is what yeah. would go on at these conventions. They were worldwide conventions at the time. Travel was easier. Uh, you know, when I did, well, I think it was back to 93 with, with uh, San Diego, you were saying, how busy it was well the state police the california highway patrol were on the interstate directing traffic to the show we had over ten thousand people at the door just waiting to get in it was insane <laughs> what, what um are most of these people it, it's a newer thing tattoo conventions then so did, what were they expecting when they came when they were showing up uh, when you say a newer thing, do you mean for the era? For the yeah, my, even now I get people that come to tattoo conventions that will ask me, you know, things like, "Are the tattoos free there?" And I'm kind of surprised at how little um, knowledge is shared about what goes on at a tattoo convention. I was curious 
with this being 10,000 people, I'm guessing there's a certain amount of them that were just flocking there because the word tattoo is there as well. Uh, what were the expectations and, and what were they expecting to see? Uh, you know, most of those people were local in the okay. community. You know, I mean, it, it was at the time, you know, there aren't con two or three conventions every week. This was once or twice a year. So I would tell people, you know, the Muslims go to Mecca, the bikers go to Sturgis, the hippies went to Woodstock, and tattooers needed to go to a convention. And and that's how it was all through the 80s and the 90s. You know, it was a big deal. People, you know, planned for six, eight months to go to these things. Was nowadays, it seems that people can get a lot of these. I, I'm going to try and make a comparison here, I guess, to what somebody can learn through YouTube or the internet. They, a lot of times it's just kind of overlooking somebody's shoulder, seeing how their hand moves. They can do that with these videos now. Then there was yeah. not that. I'm curious. It was kind of, it was everything then that TikTok, YouTube, and all these other sources of, uh, of knowledge sharing that we have now that, that it was there, I'm guessing. Yeah, and I kind of was saying that a minute ago that mm. you had to go to these places. This was all your social media rolled in one. And, I mean, when I first was getting tattooed, I started it getting tattooed in the 60s. And I realized by 72, that's when I was getting tattooed by Danny Fowler. That, that was my, my start to really an apprenticeship because – I didn't want my back tattooed. I wanted my arms done and my chest and my legs so I could see what was going on. Even though I had a bunch of questions that were never answered. But that uh, was, what? How did that go? What do you? You would ask the question and they'd be like, "Shut up, kid!" Or well, it they, it would just <laughs> probably go unanswered. You know, I mean, okay. It, not being rude, but, you know, back then there were secrets in the business. Mm -hmm. They're all gone. There's no more secrets. Now you turn on YouTube. You, uh, you know, you go to whatever, you know. Talking with a, a beautiful tattoo artist yesterday, and she learned 100% on YouTube. Yes. Well, I had to learn by sitting in somebody's tattoo studio. Mm -hmm. watching Paying them money. Uh, yeah, kind of. I paid my dues. I don't know if it was in money or not, but, you know, but back then it was different. There were secrets. You know, you didn't just pick up the phone and dial up National Tattoo Supply and order equipment. Mm -hmm. you know, somebody had to give you the key to that kingdom. You had to be let, you know, escorted in. I had to ask a tattoo artist that I was getting tattooed from to vouch for me, if I remember correctly, for uh, National Tattoo Supply, and I feel like it was a Dermographics Tattoo Supply back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah. Now... So, there was only one guy that was advertising, and that was Spalding and Rogers. Uh, there weren't many suppliers, you know. Um, and, and by one guy, I think you mean more Spalding. Is that... In my Spalding, one... <laughs> I'm going back into the 70s and 80s now. He was the one that was uh, 
doing all the advertising and in, in the different magazines where everybody else, you know, you had to be invited in. And Rogers was kind of his workhorse or technician for no. a lot of the advice. No. Okay. No, Paul Rogers, Huck and Paul, they worked together in Norfolk uh, with Coleman. Then when Coleman got shut down, Paul and Huck went down to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. North Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, it was 740 Court Street. And I think Zeke Owen ended up taking over after they they moved out. But anyways, uh, Huck gave Paul that name right in the early part. They're about two years they were together. And then Huck went up to New York without Paul. But it was out okay. of courtesy that, that Huck left Paul's name on it. Okay, because it did him a good favor as advertising still. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know what went through Huck's brain at the time. You know, it was in the, the 50s. But, uh, okay. you know, Paul was, was a master machine builder. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't think Paul really contributed much to the supply business, you know, going forward once okay. Huck moved to New York. They were, did, uh, I know that Rogers eventually was in Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yes, uh, but Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. But they never really met up again after that, uh, moved to New York. Uh, not as business partners. And I think okay. uh, Huck left the name up. I, you know, I'd have to check back a little bit. But I believe after Paul passed away, Huck just became Spalding Enterprise. <clears throat> so he did drop the Rogers name eventually. Okay. I rem- um, I'm sorry to... I- I know this isn't, it's not your history, but we have so, it it is kind of your history because of your knowledge and your um, proximity to it. And a lot of us in the industry don't know any history and almost don't know where to get it. So I want to thank you for for sharing that in in any kind of capacity so that we can kind of keep up with where we, you know, are going by knowing where we've been. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm, doing with jesse smith you know he asked me to help him out uh just because actually jesse worked for me years ago i don't know if you knew that or not i think he told me yeah it was he 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 was doing not his style tattooing necessarily though am i wrong he was well he was fresh my shop at the time, you know, I've always had street shops. They were walk-in street shops. You come in, you look at the wall, you got to pan- pick the panther, you pick mm-hmm. the eagle. And Jesse was really at this time, he was way beyond that. And mm-hmm. I actually told him that, that, you know, you really need to be in your own shop, doing your own style. Um, but anyways, I'm helping Jesse. Well, that seems like it could come from the from one aspect that sounds awesome and as the regard that it must mean you had for his ability. And then at the same time, I'm trying you put yourself in the shoes of a young kid coming in. That could be a scary proposition to even hear. Hey, you're too good. You need to take on more responsibility. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure how long it took for him to get that, but 
I mean, eventually he did open his own shop and, you know, created his own style. Uh, you know, I would have smothered him if I kept him, you know, sitting at ancient art doing eagles and panthers and hearts with mom in it, you know. So that you this comes back to a core then i'm guessing who you are you're an artist at heart of some sort then because that's not the businessman that made that decision uh yeah i would yeah i guess it's a very hum, human um very humane decision to make it's, it shows uh-huh. a lot of compassion and and thought about somebody else and not your own you know yeah well you're right and that chair, <laughs> okay. that chair was easy to fill back then, you know. So okay, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, again, this was 20 years ago. Actually, mm-hmm. 22, I think. So, again, a different era. You know, life changed after the iPhone came out. Mm-hmm. You know, that changed everything in the tattoo industry. Uh, it put everything in people's hands and in their pockets, you know. Did it somewhat change? I'm guessing it greatly changed somewhat than uh, tattoo conventions as well. Well, yeah, the internet, which was a little bit earlier, the iPhone came out in 07. The internet really hit with Google Images about 03. And it just, you know, it puts so much information into people's hands. You know, before that, you wanted to do something. You had a convention, you had to mail stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had to have newsletters. Uh, and uh, it wasn't like you went and posted something to your 200,000 followers. Yeah, know? in a couple of seconds and get a million yeah. or you know, 100 likes and, and a thousand shares or something. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're going to be in Richmond. Uh, I'm taking appointments and within 10 minutes, you're booked for the whole weekend. Of 1982, you wanted to go to a convention. Somebody had to mail you something. You know, it was. Uh, or were they? Pick- and this person then was you. You uh, you were an event organizer. No, not in '82. I okay. In '88 was the I. In '88 was Tattoo Life magazine. Hmm. Helped him with the, his show. You know, I put the word out to uh, some of the, the big hitters at the time, you know, Ed Hardy and Lyle Tuttle, and Mike Malone. These were all personal friends. And, you know, once they found out I was getting involved, uh, mm-hmm. you know, showed up out of respect. Plus the fact that there's only a few conventions a year. So it was easy to plan. Mm-hmm. But in 88, I knew that uh, that was tattoo life's last convention so i me and crazy ace daniels i don't know if you heard that name no that is completely new to me (laughs) well all the other (laughs) crazy ace was aptly named and uh him and i put on the 1989 tattoo convention that tells me then he is a -a one-of-a-kind crazy man uh you know like i said he was aptly named he passed away (laughs) years ago but you know, he was one of them 70s tattooers, uh, <clears throat> character, a, a rich history in the business. And you and him then worked on the, the 
upcoming show to keep it going? Yeah, we we took over, and it, it was uh, 1989 Richmond we did together, and then we went and did New Orleans in 1990. Uh, Ace kind of split off and did Pittsburgh on his own, and I kind that's when I was moving to the the West Coast to prepare that San Diego show. So, the big one. But, yeah, that were was, they growing uh, exponentially at, at all? each time um, that you did them to the San Diego. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing there wasn't 10,000 people at, at the prior shows. No, as they kept going. Yeah. And what happened? Um, 1993 San Diego, this crew shows up and I knew the one guy, but they fly in with their private jet. There's like five or six people behind them with notepads and cameras. Mm-hmm. And like we're making all kinds of notes. And within six months, this crew advertised they were going to do two convent or six conventions a year. So it was the downfall. I mean, it was a slow slide downhill from the now, now there's, you know, instead of two conventions a year, there's going to be eight for 94. And then it eventually got so out of hand. By O2, when I did my last convention, uh, I think it cost me money to get out of that one. So, so it, it changed the landscape of of that of the industry changed that much then from the input of so much competition. Yeah, the competition in, in this case came from a, a international motorcycle magazine. Uh, okay. So they, they came would, over, saw the success, and felt that, that they were already in line, kind of, with the mentality of the people getting tattooed then. Yeah, so they they ended up, you know, promoting. They had a, a magazine that was selling a million copies a month. So that was their social media. They had the output mm-hmm. to get the work out to people. Your social media, I, I should take some time to build up your story to let us know the, where you come from, where official tattoo brand that is your creation or, or was it something you took a, a, that you were an artist with? No, I started uh, official tattoo brand. I think it was about 87 into 88. Uh, the okay. color just came out. Now, so right I- around this same time, you didn't have a huge, following necessarily behind you as well uh prior to that for your tattoo conventions you're organizing no i did you know because of my connection into the industry you know let's talk about that if you don't mind what uh where did this come from you must have worked in some large capacity to uh build a a network of other fellow artists or something then yeah, so it, that was the Ancient Art Tattoo Association. I, at one point, I think there were 15 shops. But, you know, just being in the industry back then, you know, my first convention I went to was in Texas in the 70s. Uh, there might only been about 50 to 100 people there. It was nothing. But the ones that were there were like Ed Hardy, Mike Malone, Jack Rudy, Charlie Cartwright, uh, Chuck Eldridge. Okay. So, you know, I became 
friends with these people over the years. You know, I Mike Malone worked with me and Zeke Owen worked with me. Um, you know, so big names. I have, yeah, Michael. We, they're big names now, but back then we were just friends. It, it, we nobody really looked at it like that. We were just in the tattoo industry. Uh, but I, I'm yeah. really interested in that because sometimes I feel exactly that in my in my in my presence. I'm around people that may not have a huge status right now, as people imagine. But I've already seen it through my history of, of traveling tattoo conventions that these sometimes small names blow up in huge popularity real quick. And, and then they are the icon names, the Mike Malone's, uh, the Seacones. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's amazing it, to me. I, I thing, love it. It makes the world seem magical. Yeah. Well, I used to say it was the voodoo in tattooing. And it came okay. from guys, you know. These were the guys that, see, well, nowadays, there's no heroes in the business anymore. Nobody looks up to anybody. Uh, if Not too long. <laughs> if, if, they look, if they're looking up, they're looking it up on Google. But okay. for the most time of the time, people I see, they're looking down. They're looking down at their iPad. And I've walked into shops where they wouldn't even look up at me. They were so entranced in their work on their iPad. You know, 35-year tattooer comes walking in your shop, you know. Maybe you should yes. have the decency to look up, stand up, and say thanks for what you've done, you know. Uh, yes. Not that I'm looking for it, you know. I mean, I would just chuckle. Mm -hmm back and walk out you know well i think it it shows more and i bet you have an understanding of this that that until they have the realization that they are standing on the shoulders of greats then they will never be able to be or, or recognize their own true greatness themselves so you gave my opinion i often feel that i walk in and i feel that kind of a attitude i'm quite sure that they're holding themselves back yeah uh well see they don't need anybody anymore that's the whole thing back then through I'm, and i'm when i talk about this i'm talking 70s 80s and 90s there were heroes in the business i looked up to people and these people you know we went to the conventions to, to sit around and you know shoot the crap about what was going on what was good man look at this stuff that hardy's doing or Damn, Don Nolan did this thing here. Look at how did he get that? You know, that was what was going on. And uh, now, I don't know. You know, back then, somebody could come to a convention, disrobe, and there's a full Don Nolan bodysuit, and the air would leave the room. I don't see anything going on today that takes the air out of a room. It's, mm -hmm. There's nothing that's, I mean, they're, they're brilliant tattoos. They're great tattooers, but there's nothing exciting. We're, as a people, then I'm guessing, a little less impressed. And I think I see that. Sometimes I see pieces that I will jaw drop over. 
um, walking and not just pieces like whole body suits where you recognize this is one artist that's worked on this person. They have a huge relationship, at least they should, because they've been so close in every part of, of their, of their uh, time and spent together. So it's jaw dropping. You really want to look at it, but other people around are, are doing exactly our day isn't it. Oh, wow. That's impressive. It walks by not as not taking the air out of the room. I've got, I've got a million of those to look at on my phone in front of me. That's kind of my point. You know, the, <laughs> uh, you might see something that's really impressive, but all you got to do is turn 30 degrees and you're going to see one just as impressive. And, and there's tens of thousands of them nowadays. Saturation of, of great work. <laughs> yes. 1990s and 80s, you know, there was dozens, <laughs> not twelve thousand. So. Do you do you think the um the heroes come back? Nah, those days are gone. That cow left the barn, never coming back. <laughs> cow left the barn, broke the fence. Yeah, train <laughs> left the station. So, okay. uh, uh, are are they in other aspects then? Um, growing do you see anything similar to the kind of uh the kind of feeling in air of the, the tattoo conventions maybe a smaller genre of anything do you see anything like that no you know i went to i've been to a few conventions i, I you know i went to one last weekend up in hudson valley mm. 200 booths i probably knew I don't know, maybe a dozen people. How are you treated? Do do people recognize you? I mean, it, it's our heroes like yourself. I didn't know who you were until I heard your name. And then I'm like, oh, my God. I, and, and I kind of have some chagrin because I want to say, for me, God bless it. There are still heroes. I love it. And when I heard your name and then got a chance to be introduced to you, um, I felt like that. Like I was in the presence of greatness. I don't know if that's silly, but I love the humility that, that you had even then. I'm curious, is it when you go to a show like, like last weekend, are you recognized? Do people um, have the reverence that, well, that they once did that I have? Sometimes. Uh, and it's only because, you know, I've been on the road with this book tour for five years I visited thousands of shops, but for most part, I mean, and these are all traditional shops that I go to. I, I street shops, to, as you, as I, you would yeah, say. I try to focus on the the street shop traditional. But for everybody else, no, they don't know who I am, you know. But I got a great story uh, when you and I were together, and. Uh, I think it was DC about five or okay. six years ago. Sound right? It's, yeah, uh, it's it felt like two to three years ago, but COVID, you know, broke my yeah, brain that, for remembering. So it, it was a while, uh, and mm. it was Piper, and he put me in the Ink Master row. <laughs> Which, okay. Yeah, you know, I sold one book that weekend to Brian Everett because he felt sorry for me, <laughs> but. I people would come up 
in this one particular time they came up, they said, Hey, can I get my picture taken with you? And I stood up and said, yeah, sure. Come on in. They walked right by me and went right over to you. <laughs> so that kind of, that summed it up in a nutshell. Like, yeah, maybe I'm pretty insignificant to a lot of these newcomers. That hurts so, a little brother. <laughs> oh, no, come on. I thought it was great. I tell that story all the time. Uh, well, um, oh God. It really does bothers me a bit. I usually try to make sure that people have reverence for those yeah. people I have around, or at least understand my reverence for them. Um, it, it does seem, and it's not that it hasn't happened at times. I've been in conversations with, with, uh, Tom, uh, not, excuse, uh, uh, Jack Rudy and, yeah. um, and, uh, Marshall Bennett. And I'm trying to think of the exact instances but where people have come up and actually said uh <laughs> said uh what was it um i don't want to be rude you mind if i interrupt you so i can get a photo and the the like to me and i'm sure to them it's like i i don't understand that aspect you don't mean to be rude but you're gonna <laughs> you are <laughs> you are being rude and it irks me a bit because it I'm not here to be big around the people that were my heroes. That still are my heroes. I've been blessed. Unlike many other people, like most people have heroes from TV or something. And I was following the magazines, you know, those were my heroes. I never knew their faces. I always saw their work. You, yeah. you can recognize these pieces. And um, even uh, you'll probably remember the name Jeff Bartles, who figured out how to make tribal look like stonework. And it was, one of the greatest things that ever happened to tribal, but uh, he came yeah. into our shop one day, completely normal human being. I had no idea who he was. And then he pulled out some of his flash to sell. And the very first instinct I have is this guy's trying to sell me some bootleg stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, Turns I out. That mm -hmm. I get that often going into shops, you know, like, uh, you know, Hey, I'm J JD Crow and it's, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, but well, I that's get it. something good because at least it's still they know the name. Then at least yeah. those people are like, oh yeah, official tattoo brand. Okay, so I suppose you've been doing this for like fifty years, huh? <laughs> yeah. Where when did when did you first put a tattoo machine in your hand? Uh, oh, that was seventy. Well, seventy four. Yeah, I was. Two years of just hanging and 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 then like I said, an informal apprenticeship. So. Where where you're paying the money, watching somebody do a line, ask a question, he's ignoring you. Well, no, that was <laughs> earlier. That was two years. That was about seventy three okay. to seventy four. By seventy four, I was in, you know, and mm -hmm. the questions were getting answered. The guy I was apprenticing under was from Albany. And he knew he worked with the Spaldings up there, uh, Tommy and Jay, and he knew Huck. So he called Huck and said, hey, I'm sending some youngster up there. Uh, and I drove up to Huck. He was still tattooing in his house at the time. His tattoo was Was uh, this in New Huck. York? Yeah. And it was up, illegal in New York State or city at the time, too. Am I wrong? 
No, it was legal in the state, just illegal in the city. But okay. Huck was a he, his supply business was in his two car garage back then. <laughs> so, anyways, that was my my start. When I came back, you know, by nineteen, it was February of seventy six that I printed my first business card. Who is it that's getting tattooed in seventy six? Uh, Nowadays, I we get soccer moms, and you know it runs the gamut. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia, the world's largest naval inst- installation. So I was servicemen. I, I was tattooing drunken sailors, fallen women. You know, it was a whole different crowd. Motorcycle people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it- completely different, and. and Back then, I would say 80% of my business was sailors all okay. until the 90s. Then it started to twist a little bit. But uh, as, now, as people, as people from different walks of life began getting tattooed, yeah, you know, by 80s, you know, you had MTV uh, mm-hmm. coming out, and MTV was putting tattoos in everybody's living room. Uh, and that started to change. Then you had the sports characters. You know, they're all, when you're getting tattoos shown in people's living rooms, whether it's through basketball or, you know, MTV, it's, you know, people are thinking, oh, well, damn, you know. Powerful. Yeah, I could think I can get one of them. I like that, you know. So it, it changed. Uh, I think tattoos have always been pretty powerful. In, in that regard, and then as their platform gets bigger, now, now, yeah, the soccer moms, the factory workers, yeah. um, most mostly blue collar people. As is the the shift changes, is it mostly blue collar people getting tattooed, or big wigs and doctors you're you're running into too? Well, you know, back then it was like it was the blue collar crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I used to say back then that smart people aren't getting tattooed. I'm stuck with all the drunks, you know. <laughs> but it changed. But the think, you know, in the 80s, my first mailing list that I got when I opened, started Tattoo Flash, the official tattoo brand, was only 800 and something shops in the country. There's okay. probably <laughs> 2,000 around New York City right now. Yes. So, oh my. Does uh, it does it falter at one point? Do, do you imagine it? The, the this has been a steady increase, but it kind of peaked and it valleyed a little bit. Um, at least in popularity or so. You know, when when we say ten thousand people show up to a convention, that doesn't happen anymore, yeah. and certainly not traveling from the distances um, yeah. of of overseas and all. I mean, not that they're not, that's, but not usually to attend. That's because there's not two or three a year. There's 20 on a week all over the world. And I'm talking, when I say two or three a year back then in the 70s and 80s, it was in the world. It wasn't, you know, there was only one or two conventions over in Europe at the time, too. It was So we're talking about the world. The world would show up. Do you imagine that tattoos themselves will become less popular? At some point, more people will be picking to have clear skin. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I, I tell people that. You're not that unique. You're rejo- you should be rejoicing if you're not tattooed. <laughs> Look, I got tattooed. My first tattoo was in the 60s. I got tattooed to be out. I wanted to be different, you know. So <laughs> to have full arm sleeves back in the, the 70s was like you were different. You were out, you know. Now people get tattoos to be in. And I never wanted to be in. So, like I said, if you're not tattooed, you're the different one now. So, rejoice. Well, are you thinking about lasering anything? No. <laughs> I tried that once. That didn't work. That's worse than getting a tattoo. It does hurt quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you getting lasered? Is it a good regret story or? No. no Nobody's you know, name. You know how it is. You know, you just wanted to get more tattoos. So I had to get rid of one that was, mm-hmm. you know, 20 Either years old. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah. Y- yourself is, um, is, is tattooing 50 years and, and seeing its changes and riding um, the height of it at some point i gotta figure was there um was there a, a revelation of of ever like a epiphany or look where i am at where my hard work is paid off and how awesome it is or? Mm, no you know i never felt like that i i don't know you know because i just worked all the time you know uh T- tattoo brand flash for those listeners who don't know flash was what's on the wall when you went into a tattoo shop they're coming back i see a lot more flash at the tattoo conventions i imagine they're at the walls of the shops too um people don't really like custom pieces they don't mind that it's custom but they don't need it custom for them they, they really seem to be like to told the majority of people like to be told here are your choices pick it yeah and so I think I see it coming back to Flash being popular right now as where there was a time when if you weren't doing custom work, there was an idea, ego, you know, that you weren't you weren't fulfilling. Yeah, here's the scoop that what I see. Nowadays, and, you know, these big custom pieces take a long time to do. They're appointments. You're booked up six months out. Some guys are booked up, you know, a year or two out. For most people, a tattoo is just an impulse. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to walk in somewhere and get a tattoo and, you know, go on their merry way. Uh, the phones, normally a phone would ring, and this is pre-COVID. First thing they want to do is, what are your hours, you know? They want to know when they can walk into your shop and walk out. After COVID, it was, do you take walk-ins? You know, so things changed a lot, but there's a lot of shops that are like, yes, we take walk-ins. And those shops are busy as hell. Yeah. Because they don't want to wait six months to get a tattoo. They're not interested in getting their whole leg done. They just want some cameo, something they're pulling mm-hmm. off of 
I wonder if that's a lack of hero somewhat too, as when you would get tattooed by somebody, you'd be like, yeah, I got tattooed by this person. He's a hero. I like him. And now maybe the tattoo like that, that you can just pick up and get on your lunch break. That is more about you then, than who did the tattoo. Yeah, I guess. And I'm not trying to turn the podcast around to you, but I mean, Mm -hmm. you would know a little bit more in your circles, you know, do people search out certain people, you know, and it's these new school guys or whatever, if you even got a name, I don't know why you call me old school. I'm just (laughs) tattoo school. Yeah. I'm reformed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in your business on your side, I mean, you know, for, for me, there, there definitely are, um, to be honest, most of them are like yourself. Uh, from my past and I, I tend to stay off of uh, the Instagram and stuff because it, I think it hurts me. It makes me think I'm that I do those tattoos or it makes me want to tattoo like something, somebody else, which just doesn't make me happy at the end of the day. So I stay off it. However, yeah, I do see a wide variety of, of customer. And I think where, in the circles that I'll travel in that have the higher echelon kind of, I don't mean to say that uh, in, in a conceited way, but in what people regard as like, oh, that's so-and-so, you know? So in that, they do get sought out. But uh-huh. at the tattoo conventions, I'm seeing a real big return to just flash. I want to pick it off. I have no care about who does it. I just yeah. want to do good work. but. I think people kind of just expect you to do good work now too. It's, yeah. it's kind yeah. of gotten easier. You gotta it, be good nowadays, but see, that's the whole thing. Like with this Richmond show. Mm. Now, if Jesse filled the, the room, which he does with all the people that, you know, been on TV, these well, he guys fills it with the, the hero tattoo artists too. Some of the best in the world is as far as actual work. Thankfully. With, with, yeah, but that whole, not that old school, you know, traditional guy, but what, mm. with what's going on today. But the problem I see is when you go to one of those conventions, all these superstars are all lined up. They bring three people with them. They work on those three people all three days. Nobody mm. else can get tattooed because everybody's brought their clients from home to show off. Uh, and trophy what I, hunting sometimes. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Trophy hunting sometimes, like they might bring a, well, a stack. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's you somebody know, with eight of my tattoos. I'm going to work on them this weekend. We're going to enter that for best of show and best of day. And then this person is going to take breaks throughout the whole day to go and enter in best black gray, large color and all different categories. You got it. So, and what it does, I mean, when the public comes, they're kind of bummed out because you make a a thousand people through the door and, you know, 400 of them are looking to get a tattoo, but they can't. So I'm trying to work with Richmond to get people that are doing flash style, traditional, you know, so if we can bring in 1,500, 2,000 people a day, there's going to be... They can get tattooed. 
a bunch of booths there with people ready to go. So anyway. anybody that you're excited about having at the Richmond tattoo con- convention? Um, well, you know, I got Doug Hardy coming out. Uh, a relation Ed, to Ed then. Ed's kid. He's, he's still running uh, Tattoo City. Ed, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of going to bug Doug to see if he could get Ed out there, but I doubt if that'll happen. But I got Sean Barber coming out and Corey Miller, oh, wow. uh, Jack That's Rudy, Time Charlie, Eddie Deutsch. Uh, With Good Time Charlie's coming out or Jack Rudy from Good Time Charlie? Both. That, that, Jack, oh, my God. Cartwright. Uh, wow. Yeah, I got, you know, quite a few people. Dana Brunson's going to be there. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a list. I got about 25 or to 30. You know, I got Schweiger and Mike Perfetto. Uh, just good old names that have been tattooing, you know, for 25 and 30 years. Are, are they coming booked up or do they have the ability to tattoo clients. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that none of these guys are going to be bringing people with them. They're coming here to do tattoos. You know, they can tattoo their clients at home and they're not out here to show off, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These guys are going to be, they don't need trophies, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it, does it become then, I imagine at one point, for me it is at least, I guess I, I don't, I'm sorry to get still excited that I'm, stuttering over myself but for me i feel the longer i've been in tattooing i find the tattoo about connecting or communicating or communing with people almost more important than any other aspect of it is is that what you think they're finding too like uh like with jack rudy comes out and he's gonna just take somebody out of the audience to tattoo instead of book himself up yeah, I'm not really sure about Jack. Jack's a character all to his own. <laughs> yes, but, but I have seen him do just that, where yeah. people have walked up just to get a tattoo and be like, you're not working? And he's like, nah, I'm here for you. Yeah. And they, they end up getting a cool-ass skull or something. Yeah. He he, he talks to him for a long time. It takes, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a Jack Rudy tattoo is an experience I more from my witnessing. Than it is. I mean, not to say the artwork. I'm not trying to down that, obviously. Um, but it is also an experience. It is. And, and Jack, like I said, is a character all to his own. So, but what? yeah, mm-hmm. people are coming to tattoo. They're coming to tattoo like they tattoo at home. Their doors always open. You come in. You look around. What do you want? What arm? Have a seat. I'll be with you in a minute. You know. Uh, that I see is a, you know, today a freaking tattoo is a complicated thing. You get somebody walk in and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you need to, they'll walsh you up and down the room for hours before you even start anything. And the problem is, again, Kyle, I told you this uh, iPhone. These people come in it used to be when tattoo artists ran the shop. You owned your shop. You had all the answers. People would come in and have to ask you questions. 
Now these customers come in, they're smarter than you are. They know more <laughs> about what's going on than you do. Well, that's not really even possible. I hope, <laughs> we're, we're, right? Not, not according to them. <laughs> okay. A customer um, is right kind of a, a situation. Yeah. Always well, right. I never believed that. You know, no, in our industry, uh, it, it certainly wasn't that way. But now I imagine it's harder to convince them of that because they come in with their iPhone and they're like, I'll Google it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The customer always right. Well, their mistakes are hard to erase when it comes to a tattoo. So you know, yes. maybe not. Maybe they're not always right. So you got to keep them in check. But either way, you know, it's a different, completely different world. You mentioned a name, uh, Dana Brunson. Yeah. I just run into a, a tattoo that he had done, I don't know, four or five years ago. Maybe it was older than that. It was it was awesome to run into this. And it was so it was like I could pick out the era that it was was picked in, you know. You could see it. It was like a nineties eight kind of a a dragon. Uh-huh. Awesomely done. So and like beautiful work. Um He's coming to tattoo as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dana will be there. Uh, I don't know. It's, I got it's a, on my computer. I can't. Well, know. no, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking um, treasure trove. It's a, it's a who's who greatest hits. It's a, um, it, it's, yeah. it's awesome. For, you know, I mean, 30 years ago in Richmond, it was Mike Malone, Zeke Going, Ed Hardy, Lyle Tuttle. Don Nolan, we can't get those guys now, but a few of us, some of them aren't with us, right? That are 25, 30, 40, and 50 year tattooers, you know, uh, it's going to be a good time. Any of your favorite stories that you could? I, I think I should probably let you get on to your day, but if you wouldn't mind regaling us with any of your favorite story of uh, any of these heroes that, that you've had close proximity to. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I just did a book. I just oh, wrote let's talk about this. <laughs> that, yeah. That'll give me that. And then I can let you go, because honestly, you've been on a book tour for five years now anyways. Yeah, with just the artwork. You know, mm -hmm. when I, uh, in fact, when we had met in D.C., I was just beginning it. And now I, this is one great story tale you know with the convention and i sat there all weekend and sold one book to brian everett again i almost believe because he felt sorry for me but well, also a, who is oh, an icon in the industry i hope that doesn't get missed by the audience that brian yeah. everett someone who is a master sees you and says yeah i'll get that book and brian doesn't typically do that style of tattooing either am I? no because this was you know well i don't know yeah brian his claim is, you know, that fine line. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, on my way home, I was selling my tattoo shops at the time. I had five of them. And one of the guys in Richmond, Virginia, was interested. But I had already sold the shop. So I wanted to stop in and just tell him, hey, uh, you know, shop's gone. Thanks for the interest. Mm -hmm. I went and all the guys in the shop, they bought like $500 worth of books. 
I'm like, oh shit, maybe I'm okay, I got this all wrong with these conventions. I went down the street, down to Lucky Thirteen. They mm-hmm. eight hundred. I stopped in five shops in Richmond and went home with like almost three grand in book sales. What do you and think they, the difference? Uh because well, it seems like that same client clientele would be at the tattoo convention. No. I went to just traditional, solid shop. Street shop. Long street shop, yep. And and the conventions, I was sitting, you know, there might have been 200 booths. I knew Brian Everett, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So nobody knew me. I didn't know anybody. They didn't have a clue. Uh, So anyways, that's what started the whole on-the-road thing. You know, the next week I went down to North Carolina and then, week after that i don't know up to pennsylvania uh, and it's been working out pretty good it's like being on vacation all the time uh, wake up in a new state and go and yeah. see how that state's going to treat you how those shops yeah. are going to treat you yep and you know i mean as much as i diss the iphone all mm-hmm. i do is a google search for tattoo shops within whatever town i'm in <laughs> 30 of them pop up and I narrow it down to like four or five. Okay. Street shops. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's been working out. But you cruise their the website book, then, kind of stalk them a bit. Yeah, it, exactly. I look for flash on the walls. That's my number one thing. If can people flash, buy your? I'm sorry, uh, cut you off. Um, I do not mean to. But can people buy your book online as well? Well, it's. You know, it's a biography. It's actually the title of the book is The Flash That Was Seen Around the World. And it's about, you know, kind of my beginnings on through uh, developing all the the official tattoo brand and getting in all the other, you know, the tattoo art T-shirts and the books. And Well, this is way different than your your last book tour then, which was artwork hand to artist. Right. The, all the other books, and I got like 45 of them or something now. It's all artwork. A lot of it from uh, the 80s and 90s and some newer stuff. But this book, the biography book, it, is a lot of type. And it, I talk about a lot of the stuff that happened, you know, through all them 50 years. Is it out and published yet then, too? Uh I'm the publisher, so it's self-published, and I dropped it off at the printers like two weeks ago. So I'm hoping by the end of the month I can have it back. That's very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> that is very really, exciting. Really cool book, and uh, where I got, can we purchase? Is I'm I'm hoping there's online sales, right? I'm really that lazy. I apologize, but I'm that lazy. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, I'll have it with my travels, but. Uh, mm-hmm. It's at tattoo-art.com. That's my online site. So, I find that the dash is important. Yeah, as you know. <laughs> I missed the dash, tattoo-art.com. I was going to say I, something when I said it's not here yet. Did you uh, forget the dash, but you beat me to it. <laughs> well, I told my wife, um, I think I said uh, slash. 
And she thought that I was saying backslash. As you know, everything changes in in li linguistics over time. So what used to be the the pound sign is now the hashtag. And yeah. you know, I don't everything know what different. To call, call that is it a dash or a hyphen? So it's either or. Yes. Well, and if you go over to England, it's a stroke. And you know, I did that in 1995. That's when I created my website, and it was so brand new that the, the guy helping me put the hyphen in and I've hated it ever since <laughs> thinking have I you, could have been just tattoo art one word but, have you attempted to um, just get you can get the domain possibly for tattoo art or not uh, yeah no that thing you know it's, that's so seen it once before for sale for like 20 grand or something and oh good lord the world knows who i am and you mm -hmm. know things that just aren't that important anymore now 30 years ago i wish i would have done it but um anyways i've been yeah. with this i've had this dash since 1995 so and now <laughs> right so now it's like the tattoos that you're 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 not going to have lasered off they're just there. I'm not going to lay that dash off. Man, I'm looking forward to reading um, and, and also having people know that this is available for them to read and get a little bit of history and know the shoulders you're standing on so that you can hope to uh, have some kids standing on your shoulders one day. You know? That would be it, you know? Create some heroes again. Have people in this business, you know? Uh, anyways. I love and it. Again, the, the big thing, you know, if any of your listeners out there in October 20 through 22, man, just come on out to this convention, uh, Richmond, Virginia. It's going to be one show, and I'm not done lining people up. Uh, no. And Jesse's been telling, pumping this up to me for some time about these the, the people he has shown. I mean, it is a treasure trove of uh history and of the greatest artists that are tattooing today yeah the sad part is you know well the hotel thing man i i always did my conventions in hotels they're just it's more personal you know you can sit around at night and uh, rather than having to leave your hotel and go to a convention hall somewhere stand around concrete all day um, your feet yeah, I mean, the hotel thing is just uh, not to sound sappy, but it's, you know, it's quaint. It's it's really close and personal. So this Richmond show should be a real good one. Only thing is, I wish we had a third floor. We you have that much fun packed into the two floors you have now then. Yeah, we need more room, but I mean, we're going to make the best with what we got. Kind of a good problem to have. Quainter, quainter. It just keeps getting yeah. quainter then. Yeah. <laughs> More personal. <laughs> well, um, I, I wish you all the success with it, J.D. Crow, and especially your your biography. Um, yeah. I look forward to getting a hold of that yeah. and reading it. And and uh, uh, I'll, I'll I'm going to reach out to you. What's that? Oh, sorry. I'll send you a text once I get it back from the printer. So anybody, you know, on my phone list, I send them a text. And what I did, this is the real, this is the coolest part of the book. Mm. I've had hundreds of people send in comments and quotes. 
and everybody, hundreds of people are, are scattered through the book with comments about official tattoo brand, comments about, you know, tattoo tour, quotes about this and people that work for me. Like, mm -hmm. really, it's an interesting format. So. My favorite quote of all time comes from Jack Rudy. It was, if you're looking for me, I'm not there. I'll show up soon enough. It will be well worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> like I, Did he give you any quotes for your book too then? I got to figure it's in there. No, you know, I can pick up the phone. I did just a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone. I'll call Jack at like, I don't know, 10 at night, my time. I'm still on the phone with him for two hours, <laughs> three hours. Two in the morning. It's like finally, Jack. God, I gotta go. But I think he only gave me like he gave me three individual quotes, like a one-liner about different things. So that's uh, he's 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 one of the greatest for it. I watched his roast of Guy Atkinson. He was spot on. That guy's a a, a full-on riot. <laughs> he is. He's a comedy show. Um, you just gotta fuck. You just gotta give them the right prompt. Sometimes, you know, ask them about aliens. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so I tell people, oh, you meeting Jack? Oh, ask him about aliens. Yeah, <laughs> politics. <laughs> or politics. Yeah, just sit back and enjoy. It's gonna be, yeah. you know, get a drink. JD Crow, thanks for being a part of this. Um, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, by the way, uh, are you going to Richmond? Are you one of the booth holders? I am not currently. I, I have I've worked out a couple of things, but I've had a hard time. Where you I'm hanging? in Michigan, and and that weekend we've got another show where the guy uh, always treats me so good I couldn't. It would just it's a it's a burning bridges kind of an option for me. So, um, I apologize for not being able to be a part of it. Well, we are uh, trying to make it a part of our of our tours though in the future. Yeah, it goes back to that. There's. Three or four or a half a dozen shows every weekend. Uh, yes, yes. A couple other guys that I really wanted to show up, but same thing. Oh, man, I've already booked a place. I go there mm -hmm. every So, But anyway. Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to a friend that's having one that same weekend around you guys. And, uh, you know, I tried to convince him otherwise. And, and uh, uh -huh. as you know, it's, a, it's getting to be uh, what I call a crowded dance floor. Yeah, tattoo conventions and it is there isn't a fortuneness to it because um certainly all the history and all the uh the fun is somewhere and then the money's another sometimes or well for me in this case <laughs> but gotcha. thanks thanks for being a part of this i don't one thing i um i wanted to mention is one reason i'm doing this and not that i wouldn't have you on ever because you do me a huge favor. But one reason I wanted to make this a point of doing it is because I'm excited about the show. I really am. It's genuine. Everything that I say and talk to you about is genuine. And I want to see it do good. And I just couldn't be a part of it this year. But yeah. I really do want to see it succeed so that in the years, in the future, I, I do have more of a chance to come in and hang out with Corey Miller, with yourself, yeah. with Jack Rudy, with Dana Brunson. With, like... Uh, <laughs> actually you full me i'm full of sadness right now <laughs> yeah well i got something else up my sleeve too i'm not gonna reveal it yet but I, i'll keep you posted uh, this has been a long career for you, you are already of hard work yeah so what uh, 
I, you know, I want to get on the road again and to start pushing the book tour thing. But uh, for awesome. the most part, the, the next thing I got going on is a little bit different. And, you know, I'll know more as the weeks go by if it's going to happen. But anyways, people will know. When us. You have a continual platform to ever push anything that you ever want to push here. Cool. And uh, so please do let me know when uh, when you reveal this magic trick up your sleeve. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll be happy to uh, try and push it out to the rest of our audience. Okay, cool. Yeah. You probably won't be the first to know, but you'll be in the top 10, I'll say. <laughs> oh, okay, right on. Top 10 exclusive is just fine for the for the straight to the point and completely off topic podcast. It's uh, Got it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this again, JD. We'll yeah, talk to you later. Yep. Bye. All right. Bye. That was awesome.